Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Bull City Soccer Show. I'm your host, Zach Leishner, and I'm going to talk about the Tobacco Road FC match against the Charlotte Eagles, who are actually the 2017 PDO National Champions, and um, I was able to make the match. Um, It was in Durham at the lovely Durham County Memorial Stadium. And coming into this match, I thought this was going to be one of the bigger matches this season. Um, starting off the season, Tobacco Road is was off to a strong start, 2-0 to start the season um, with a win over the Carolina Dynamo and a home win against uh, North Carolina FC U23s. And for Charlotte, it was a little different. Charlotte started the season with a U.S. Open Cup match against International. Inner, inner Nashville, and um, they actually got smoked during that match. And everyone, you know, including myself at Soccer and Sweet Tea, we all thought that the Eagles might not be that good this year. And you know, with these teams, they have a lot of turnover, and we can see how it affects them. Like like with the Carolina Dynamo, and we there's a lot of questions surrounding the Eagles and how they would bounce back after that Open Cup game and. They got the job done, and they started the season uh, league play off with a 1-0 win. So it, it's very interesting to see how these teams are playing. I thought this was going to be a big game this week to see if if Charlotte wins this. Are they really you know that good again this year? And for Tobacco Road, I was going to have questions of if they win this, then the hype is real for Tobacco Road. If they won this game, they would have been 3-0. And, you know, would have been at the top of the table with nine points. So it's very interesting to see that, uh, you know, this game had a lot of questions surrounding it. And tonight was a pretty good look at some of the top teams that are, that I think these are going to be the top three. These two teams will be in the top three at the end of the table, at the end of the season. But, um, yeah, let's dive right into that match. So coming into the match, I thought Tobacco Road was going to have to try to uh, capitalize off of uh, the Charlotte Eagles' mistakes because they definitely did that with NCFC last week. And I thought that if Tobacco Road was going to win this match, that, that was, that's what they were going to have to do because uh, the Charlotte Eagles is a very organized team, and I didn't expect them to come into this game and just make a lot of mistakes. I, I thought that after that open cup game that they were going to start organizing themselves more in practice and it seems that they have done that you know coming coming into the game with a win already in league play i figured that they were they had a game plan coming into this and tobacco road you kind of seen who the goals have come from eli garner as back again for another season with tobacco road so you already knew that he was going to help lead the attack and with the first two games for Tobacco Road, Tafawada has come through and scored three goals so far, and he's done a great job of creating chances. So, Charlotte Eagles knew that the those two guys were going to be our front runners to help lead the attack. But for this match, I thought the first half, um, the opening minutes of the match, it seemed like Charlotte was really pressing a lot, and the our mid the midfield for Tobacco Road just didn't seem like they could handle it. Um, they weren't, it, it seemed like the defense was struggling a little bit getting back or, or the midfield wasn't there to help out as much. And that kind of, kind of seemed to be the theme throughout the whole match was that they weren't 
the midfield wasn't there to help lead the to help lead the attack, and they weren't also there to help get back on defense. But in the end, um, Brian Cretans did a excellent job this match, saving a lot of saving a lot of shots. And for me, I was trying to keep a uh, track of how many he's had. And uh, th for me, I got him down with six saves. But the PDL's website has him down for four saves, so I don't know if the the PDL had all the saves or if I just counted too many. But I, I'm gonna think that it's a it's a it, he got at least five saves, and um, that could just be me making a mistake there. But I had I had him down as six. Uh, the website had him down as four, and he, we know with the PDL, it isn't always the most accurate um, the accurate stats. And um, we have seen that. You, you see some typos on the PDL's website sometimes here and there. Um, but I almost, he had a great game, I thought. Letting in that first goal was tough. Um, you could definitely tell that. I, I think that it got in the player's head a little bit. And they knew that they needed to score first to kind of keep that momentum going. And the Charlotte Eagles team is not like NCFC last week. Uh, you know, once... Um, Tobacco Road got in the, got the goal, first goal against NCFC. The players for NCF the Tobacco Road was able to capitalize more and more and more on NCFC. And this week, I don't think that they were able to move. the The midfield wasn't leading the attack as well. Taff Wada did an excellent job this week of creating chances and and slicing and dicing through the defense. But other than that, I don't think. The midfield came in to help them out enough. I think they were they were just worried about the attack too much, and it, it was a tough match. Uh, the ref was here and there on some of his calls, and we'll dive into this later on with uh, the final minutes. But um, early on in the game, the ref did miss um, an elbow to the face. Eli Garner, uh, I believe, it was a bloody nose. Um, he was sent off. He had to get a new jersey because he had too much blood on his jersey. And um, normally, Eli Garner is number 18, but he had to wear number 20 for the rest of the match. So for me, I didn't, I didn't realize that he changed jerseys. And I was wondering who number 20 was the whole match. And I um, looked at the roster, and I was like, ah, you know what? There's not a number 20. That was an extra jersey. So it was the, the ref did miss that call. Even if it was just a, a little foul, I, it was an important call to make because the ref did miss some obvious calls. He did. He then he did call a few handballs on Tobacco Road that kind of changed the momentum for them. And there were several handballs that could have gone in Tobacco Road's favor, and it didn't seem like any of the the calls that the ref made were going in their favor. So I just thought it was a little bit unlucky there for them. On that, and <clears throat> later in the match, tobacco, the the attack didn't seem to be on the same level as it was last week. Uh, talking with the guys at Brightleaf, they didn't seem that they were leading as much, and there wasn't as much help from the midfield. And I think that to be seemed to be the theme this week was there wasn't enough push from the middle going on, and. The club, the the team, the roster seemed to be impatient with it. Every time they got a ball, kind of in Charlotte Eagles uh, territory, they just didn't, they didn't seem to be play that smart with it. They kind of rushed some of the crosses or or 
they would um, send a pass kind of deeper down the field that wasn't maybe the smartest. It was a lot of, they just seemed very impatient to me with it. And at times they played very organized. And then at times they just kind of rushed it like they needed to get a goal that second. And I do agree with that, that once they got down a goal that they needed to score if they wanted to get back in the game. But I felt like they should have been more patient. The game did seem to go slower this week than last week and for watching how quickly that they are trying to play and to create some chances I think they should have been patient slowed it down a little bit more to try to to try to get the good pass out there instead of just kind of rushing the attack and you know having some sloppy passes I think that they needed to slow things down a little bit more and were able to just have a better cross or or have a better pass down deep into the box to try to get a better chance off and we had some chances we had several shots and several shots on goal but <clears throat> I don't think that I think that they were just rushed by the players as well because once they got down it seemed to be they just kind of put up shots to put up shots and to just try to have a chance but they weren't necessarily the smartest of attacks I think and I think that's one problem this week compared to last week where every time they got a good chance on goal that it was going in and this week it wasn't necessarily the case Taft Water had several uh, good chances on goal but it was just unlucky bounces with the ball the ball was curving one way and it, he, he seemed to be very frustrated this match and all the supporters were telling him to you know keep trying that he was going one was going to get was one was going to land in the goal this week and unfortunately it did not happen but one stat for me that uh, that I thought was very interesting was this week we only had the tobacco road only had four players that put shots up and uh, six of them came from Mustafa Wada uh, one came from uh, Eli Garner. Uh, another one came from Mauricio Pedeta. Another one came from uh, Tommaso. I'm not going to attempt the last name. I can't say it. <laughs> but um, we only had four different players that kind of put shots up. And I thought that was an interesting stat. Um, that most of our... Uh, both of our... Or I guess our three biggest uh, people who put shots up are kind of our three highlight players. Uh, our two forwards put up uh, six and three shots each. And I thought that the midfield wasn't shooting the ball as much as they probably should have. And I thought that was pretty interesting. And that kind of leads me into my point of how the midfield was not pushing enough. And it just kind of seemed like they were just caught back on the heels the whole time. But before Tobacco Road actually scored, um, I noticed that uh, Ben Fisher was actually coming up and getting ready to get subbed in. And he kind of stood up at the line for about two to three minutes. And before he kind of came on, that was actually when Tobacco Road scored the goal. And um, I thought that with the way the game was going that we made some late substitutions. Now, I'm not a coach and I don't make the most expert opinions here. But I thought that since we were down and we, we needed to get a goal on. And um, it was going to be big if we could tie the game up and kind of hold it right there. Or, or try to uh, have some fresh legs on the field 
to lead to help lead the attack to prevent um, the Eagles from holding the possession. And um, eventually, Ben Fisher actually uh, came in the game, and I really like Ben's game. Uh, having him kind of come in to help lead the attack and and have a third attacker out there was really important to um, for Tobacco Road to lead their attack and to have fresh legs pushing and pushing more against Charlotte and I felt like he did that he had um, he had some great passes some some good crossing attempts later in the game but um once we got out to score I believe it was it was either Ben or Eli who led that initial cross in and um, um, Mauricio Padeda actually was the one that got a hold of that ball and was able to put it in the back of the net for them. And I thought after that moment that that was very important with how late in the game that uh, Tobacco Road scored, that it was important for them to hold that lead in. But it, it was unlucky with the way that the rest of the game played out. And it was kind of the theme that... that um, that you get taught in soccer is to always play through the bristle. And you hear that in football and basketball and these other sports that, you know, you have to keep playing through because sometimes the ref makes a bad call and, you know, you don't want to get stopped and, you know, say ref, this player went out of bounds. But that was kind of the theme throughout the whole the whole uh, night. And um, in, I believe it was the 86th minute, um, or 80, 85th, around the very end of the game was when um, goalkeeper Ryan Creens kicked the ball and um, a Charlotte Eagles player had the ball down the field and or had a very big bounce to it and the ball bounced right in front of the white line which at uh, Durham County Memorial Stadium they have football lines up so you kind of have the football line of or the thicker line where the bench is at for football games so it bounced right b at behind that line and then the yellow line at the at the uh, stadium is the I guess out of bounds line for the soccer and so the ball bounced right after the white line but in front or in bounds of the uh, yellow line and then the ball took another bounce and the Charlotte Eagle player came down and ran kind of out of bounds a little bit and I have a few pictures of it I think on the Bull City Soccer Show Twitter account and you can find that at Bull City SOC Show and I put one up with the caption hmm because from my angle I got it just a few frames after he hit the ball so you can see how far out of bounds he was after he hit the ball but then Thankfully for one of our uh, other staff members, Andrew Pierce at Soccer and Sweet Tea, he took one right as the player, the Eagles player, was heading the ball. And you could tell that he was out of bounds. And the Tobacco Road defender, you know, raised his hand. He came to a complete stop. And, you know, at times, yes, that helps make the case, but the line judge was not there on that side of the pitch, and the ref was too far away at that moment to, I guess, have a good angle to see this. His back was turned during this. Or or the, the players that were down there, 
backs were turned while this was happening to the ref. So it wasn't a good angle for the referee, and no one was there to see it except for the Tobacco Road Tobacco Road bench. And everyone, including head coach, the head coach for Tobacco Road, was extremely angry with this and, and with this call that eventually like led them in for a goal. And you have to give credit where credit's due to the Charlotte Eagles player who continued to play that ball and to continue to attack without waiting on the referee or to or to make himself seem suspicious of, you know, he knew that he was out of bounds, but he kept going and he didn't wait for the whistle and he didn't stop because he was out of bounds, but he kept playing that ball and caught the Tobacco Road players surprised that he didn't stop and everyone came to a stop and couldn't catch up to them. And eventually then there's another Eagles player that was up in front of the box and Ryan, it was a tough goal for Ryan Cretans to defend, and you have to give uh, the Eagles props on that. But at the same time, it was a tough call. It was, I think, it was a bad call. I wasn't looking at that uh, play live, but I watched the live live stream, and I, I will post uh, the other screenshot as well on Twitter. And I will, I'll let you guys decide. You know, let me know what you think about this uh, play. I mean, it's, it's a tough one. You don't want to blame the goal on just this one play. And it was tough because there was, I guess, three minutes left after the game started going up again. Um, it took a while for the game going or, or for the game to continue after this goal. There's a lot of arguing going on, and it, it was tough. And, um, you know, it, it was it's hard to kind of bounce back after that. But there is plenty of extra time to go on. And I have to give uh, credit to the Charlotte Eagles for fighting this entire match. And I think it's good that, you know, you never want to say a loss is a good loss. But I think this is, I mean, the Charlotte Eagles are good. They, they won the PDL National Championship last year. And they aren't a bad team. So I think this loss is good for Tobacco Road to kind of see what they need to work on and you know to regroup and to get healthy coming up because this club is going to travel down to Myrtle Beach uh, coming up here next week and then Tobacco Road actually has a while until their next home game so this is going to be very important they have a a few days off Um, I believe the next match is on the 30th so they have six days um, a little over six days before their next match which is good. They get to recover, practice, regroup as a squad, figure out what they need to work on. And then after that, they get to play in Myrtle Beach, I believe. But it was a tough game. I wish that they came away with a point. It would have definitely helped them in the standings. But um, as I'm recording this now, it is now Thursday. But the other match that was actually going on while this Tobacco Road game was going on was the NCFCU 23 and Myrtle Beach Mutiny match. And I felt like that was also another important game. It's tough since that game was not streamed and there weren't many tweets from both teams covering that game. But um, the match didn't end in a 1-1 draw. So... One point each for those clubs. So I, coming off this match, I really wish that Tobacco Road was able to get the one point. 
But I think that losing this match was good. That was going to help them regroup. Because after this, then they have a game on the 30th, a game on the 2nd. So it's going to be tough with those two games that are really close to each other. Um, I believe it's Saturday and then it's a Wednesday. So it's going to be very... No, I'm sorry. The the game on June 2nd is actually a Saturday. So it's going to be very tough to uh, for Tobacco Road to recover, bounce back, regroup as, regroup as a squad to um, get ready for that match against NCFC and carry. So it... It is considered an away game, but I feel like we're going to have enough fans that are going to come and support the boys uh, in Cary. So, um, but let's get right into that interview I have for you guys. Um, it is actually with um, Jake and Jamie, the two broadcasters for Tobacco Road FC. And they've actually been doing this. This is their second season doing the broadcasting for Tobacco Road. So... They've been doing this for quite a while. They're both uh, broadcasters at App State as well. So these guys have a lot of experience. And I had a great time doing this interview with them. Uh, we met in downtown Durham at the Vine Sports Bar. So I had a great time talking with them. They actually talked a lot, which I'm really glad about. And normally when I have longer interviews, people always tell me, oh, we can redo it if it's too long. And for me, I like a longer podcast. I like longer, more, you know, more content for me. Because I do a lot of driving, so I, th- I find that good. You know, if everyone made thir- quick 30-minute podcasts, then I probably had, would have to find more podcasts to start listening to. But as of right now, I know I'm hitting that over an hour mark. But let's just get right to the interview for you guys. Hey, everyone. I am with the two broadcasters for Tobacco Road. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing today? Good, man. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Glad to be talking some Tobacco Road today and talking some soccer, you know. Nothing more I love doing than that. So yeah, it's been a good day so far. It's a beautiful day in the in the Bull City, so can't complain. So tell me, guys, about your soccer background. So I actually grew up. I'm from Wake Forest, North Carolina. I grew up playing soccer for for Castle, which is now I guess a part of NCFC system. Mm-hmm. Um, so I grew up playing from them with them and from Rec to, to Challenge to Classic. I uh, was on one of the top teams there. And had some opportunities to play at some smaller D1 and some, some D2 schools in college. We decided to, I got a little burnout with it and decided to kind of chase my other passions, which is, you know, broadcasting. And I was actually a journalism major. So I've always tried to, wanted to stay in sports and was lucky enough to get a little gig with, with Tobacco Road, which is something I really wanted to do. And, uh, but yeah, I just grew up playing soccer, watch soccer all the time. I'm a big Manchester United fan. It's, it's Jamie Nose sitting over here, the Manchester lad. So, but yeah, I just, been a huge soccer guy my whole life and, you know, just wanted to get involved in any way I could going forward in, in my future career. Well, for me, it all started when I was younger. My uh, my dad's actually a Manchester City fan. And Jacob's mentioned that's, it over here with the Mancunian influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, obviously, being a very significant day for Manchester. It's a one-year anniversary of the tragedy last year with the Ariana Grande concert. But not to put anyone's mood down or anything, but my dad was is a diehard Manchester City fan. Um, he was around when they were crap. Still crap to me, but obviously results say otherwise. But my uncle, when I was three years old, got me a Manchester United shirt for Christmas. And that's when the tides turned, and I really realised like the right side of Manchester is west. And I was a red ever since. So Manchester United fan through and through. Uh, may not work out in my favour saying this if I want to get a job for 
bias and whatnot. But anyways, uh, apart from Manchester United, uh, been playing soccer ever since about the same age, three, four years old, as long as, long as I could walk, could kick a ball, uh, play club soccer, um, and then when I realised I wasn't much of a player, decided to change my career path. I was a design major for a little bit and then uh, I realised that wasn't for me either. It's been a long journey to broadcasting, but uh, I made it, and I think I found that the right career for me is uh, definitely broadcasting football and doing football commentary. Mm -hmm. So, tell everyone what is technically all's positions with the club. So, I'm the color commentator for Tobacco Road Football Club, and Jamie, I'll let him talk about his position, but he's the play-by-play uh, -play guy, and, and honestly, a little bit more than that, Jamie, if you want to talk about kind of the work you've been doing. Prep, prepping for the season and getting everything set up with what we're doing this year? Well, a couple of years ago, I emailed uh, Tobacco Road FC blindly, just saying, here's what I can offer you. Got a response a year later uh, from Seth Kaplan, who's the uh, co-founder and owner of Tobacco Road Football Club. And he said that they'd be more than willing to bring us on. And thankfully they did. Um, and I let Jacob know about this. Because me and Jacob have been doing commentaries at App State uh, for the men's soccer team there and kind of had struck up a chemistry that obviously was identifiable from the start. So when I approached Jacob, he was all for it and we've been doing it uh, ever since last year was our, la uh, was our first season with Tobacco Road. It was the first season in the USL PDL that the club had been in. And the club's only been in existence for three years uh, at this level. So it's interesting to see the way that it's changed vastly in a year the quality of the production we've been putting on this season so far in the first game I think is massive difference from what we had last year um, but apart from being the play-by-play -play commentator I'm also the producer of the network which is the TRFC network Tucker Road Football Club network um, so on top of the play-by-play -play duties and studying up the players and calling the matches I do a lot of the work with the broadcast graphics and setting up how the broadcast is run and when things are um, Jacob and I are going to start making some videos soon, hopefully, uh, if we can get players involved and really show behind the scenes of the club, kind of expose like the players more, get personalities in there and give people content to watch You know, when we go into breaks during the broadcast and stuff for people to look out on YouTube and on the website. So that's kind of my role, is not just a play-by-play, -play, but also being a producer of some of the content. Yeah, let me just add on that Jamie did a ton of work. He was busy in school, we're taking you know, full load of classes up at App State and did a ton of work just getting everything ready, designing the graphics, getting a team together um, from, from what, what was it, what, Pac, Pac Media over at NC State? Yeah, we do, uh, from. we do our broadcast this year through Pac TV, which is a, it's a broadcast service for NC State like club sports and stuff, and basically they involve their students and they get students to become like talent for on-camera or play-by-play -play color, and they broadcast sports uh, through YouTube. They have a 24 at seven uh, YouTube channel and a Roku channel. Um, and they have something pretty exciting going on there. And when I found out about them and met with them in Raleigh when I came down here in the middle of the semester, I was really impressed by the way they ran their broadcast. And, you know, first broadcast went pretty smoothly. We had some technical issues, as you always really do. Yeah. But um, overall, very satisfied with the work they've been doing behind the scenes. And um, looking forward to working yeah. with them. More. Super, super professional, super knowledgeable, super nice. They just, you know, compared to what we did last year, it was not a knock on the company we worked with last year, but... This is just a lot more professional, and I think I was talking to my parents because they, they tune into every stream, and they were saying it's just a lot more enjoyable to watch, a lot more professional to watch. So 
yeah, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. Obviously, like Jamie said, I had some technical difficulties the last, but you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna have those kind of difficulties, might as well get it get it in the first game and, and move on from there. But nah, yeah, we we definitely enjoy what we do, and it's gonna get even better as the season goes on. Mm -hmm. So, what are some things that y'all like about working with Tobacco Road? I think one thing that I really liked you know, this year, and, uh, last year, and this year is just kind of the atmosphere there. It's uh. You know, the work that Seth and, and Cedric have put in to grow this club. I mean, you can look at the roster last season. and we, we had a decent team last year for sure, but looking at the growth that's coming this season, this team is even better. And the atmosphere is always good. It's a very friendly place to work. And one of the things I really like about working for Seth is he just lets us do our thing. And, mm -hmm. you know, he knows where we take our job seriously. He knows we're professional guys. He knows we have a passion for what we do, which exactly like Seth does with, with soccer and running the club. But he's just – he lets us have the freedom to do our things, and I've worked for people who are all constantly in your ear telling you what they want and what they think you should do better. But he, you know, gives us positive feedback, gives us, you know, will we'll tell us some things he wants us to work on if he needs to. But, you know, what, I guess the biggest thing I like is it's just the atmosphere of the club and um, just how much freedom Seth gives us to just do what we want to do and because and, we definitely, you know, take pride in, in what we do. Yeah, I like the fluidity of, like, the trust that he installs in us and allows us to, like, really put our input into what we're working on which is nice because when you're being controlled your creativity is being limited and um, exactly. I find that harder for me to work in a sort of environment like that uh, maybe one day I'll have to but at the moment I really like the way that works I really like working in Durham as well yeah. living close by to Durham um, I've always enjoyed being in the city and being able to call games for a team that really represents this city very well in the players, in the staff, in the fans, in the community engagement. It's really an enjoyable experience. Um, and I like the, that it's pretty much grassroots level. Mm -hmm. You're not in a corporate setting, you're in a very like organic sort of setting in the way that this club is run. And I really like working in that sort of environment. Mm -hmm. So what do y'all guys think about the growth of soccer in the area, not only with NCFC, but with two new uh, PDL clubs coming into the region next year? It's For me, it's really good to see. Like I said, I grew up in this area. I've lived here since first grade. Uh, moved here from Virginia and got really heavily involved in, in playing soccer and, and doing some other things. I also coach soccer as well. You soccer coach too. So to see how much growth is, is going on in this area, it's funny because when I was younger, soccer always had, I mean, there's so many people that play soccer around this area. I mean, you soccer, and just in the United States, is the fastest growing sport in the country. Uh, so it's not going anywhere. This is a ton of, of youth coming up that play at a very high level. And to see teams wanting to get involved in the PDL and get getting involved like NCFC and the, you know, in, in the higher up leagues and stuff like that, and making a bid for the for the even for the MLS, it's it's really good to see because I think this area has so many people that are interested in the sport and that play the sport. And this place, you know, Raleigh, Durham, it's not, it, it's growing rapidly. And it's one of the fastest growing, especially Raleigh is one of the fastest growing cities in the country. So mm. to see soccer coming along with it is just really good to see because, like I said, it's just a very, soccer's very popular around here, but it's going to take teams and clubs taking a risk and saying, you know what, let's go play at a higher level. Let's try to bring fans in. Let's try to make a, a club around this area that, and like Tobacco Road, that, I, like Jamie said, really embodies the city of Durham. If you can, if you can capture that, you're going to attract people that are going to want to come watch. You're going to attract higher level players that are going to want to come play. So, I'm very happy to see it growing, and we say that on the broadcast all the time. But I'm super excited to see where 
not only this area is in five and ten years, but also like the PDL, the USL, and, and MLS is in the next five to ten years. So this is going up exponentially, and it's it's really fun to watch. Yeah, and this area is not short of sporting rivalries. I mean, you got Duke, Carolina, literally like embodied within the name of the club that we represent. Um, Duke, Carolina, you know, being a massive sports rivalry. Tobacco Road and North Carolina FC under 23 seem to be striking up a bit of a rivalry. I mean, if you didn't watch the game the other day, you, you wouldn't notice all these tackles going in and uh, the way the fans are reacting to refereeing decisions. Like, it clearly matters to people. And if the sport is growing and there's more clubs in the local area, there's going to be more rivalries, there's going to be more attention to it. Um, and I think there needs to be more attention put on these sort of things. With Tobacco Road, attendance could be sold out if people, more people knew about it mm -hmm. and that's something that we're really trying to work on is engaging the community more getting people to come to these games I read somewhere the other day someone referred to Tobacco Road as like the greatest sporting gem that Durham has never heard about and it's kind of a shock to me that people haven't heard about it considering how close they play to downtown mm -hmm. and the buzz that's been created on social media especially with the team's performance this year off to a flyer in two games you know scoring five goals three of them from one one man that we'll probably mention later on today um, but yeah just the growth of the sport overall in the triangle has been exponential with North Carolina FC as well you know sort of leading the charge but other teams picking up slack as well with Tobacco Road and then Wake FC I believe is one of the other USL PDL teams uh, then you've also got the Carolina Courage Huge, they're a huge draw, I think, and their performance as well at the moment is definitely beneficial to the growth of the sport in this area. And you've also got uh, Oak City United, a lot of people don't know about them. They're basically, I would say, the equivalent of us mm -hmm. in the women's professional level. Mm -hmm. um, they also play in Cary. But, yeah, just overall, the growth of the sport, since I've moved in this area, I've seen is massive. Mm -hmm. So... What is it like for the club to have two players drafted in last year's MLS draft? And what does that show for the players on this roster knowing that they can be there in a few years as well? It's huge, man. To see players like you know, Zach Wright, Alan Wynn, both Carolina products, to go to the MLS. Um, Alan Wynn's tearing it up in Nashville right now. And it's just so good to see because I remember it's funny when you, during the season me and Jamie were watching these guys. Um, Alan Wynn had a really good season. Zach Wright started off a little bit slow last year but really came into it later on. Um, but I know Alan, watching Allen win last year, I'm also a big Carolina fan, so I kept up with them during the UNC season as well. They had a really good season, made a deep run in the NCAA tournament. It's just so good to see guys wanting to play for Tobacco Road. Um, one of the pluses, like Jamie mentioned, the fact that you know Tobacco Road embodies the rivalry of Carolina Duke. And I mean, last year and this year, Carolina. I mean, uh, Tobacco Road's got a ton of Carolina guys on that roster. Cause mm -hmm. it, it was it's ten miles from from campus, so. I think it's a great location for it, and to have guys like that get drafted into the MLS, you know, the highest level of soccer in the United States, is huge because it shows players that, hey, you can come play for Tobacco Road, and if you can get it done at the college level as well, you got a chance to go to the top. And you go to the MLS, and you just never know what happens. And also, you know, it's just really good to see. I know the people within the club are very happy to see it happen, I and mean, that's the goal of playing in the PDL. Mm -hmm. the, the, the slogan is "Path to Pro," is to get you to that highest level. So. I mean, for them to come out of a club that's only been existing for three years is, is huge, and I just hope it shows players that, hey, if you want to come play for Tobacco Road, you got a good a chance as anybody to go to MLS. And you don't even have to be a player from a high-caliber you know, college program like Carolina to really make your mark. I mean, Taf Wada, guy I was mentioning earlier, foreshadowing rather earlier, 
he's got three three goals in two games, and mm-hmm. he uh, just transferred from Car- uh, to Carolina from Bethel. Mm-hmm. So these players playing for small clubs. I mean, Jonathan Ray last year, you know, didn't play for a bit. I believe he played at Drexel. Mm-hmm. Didn't play a very big these big college programs. But I mean, the talent is there, and if you can do it at this level, and someone notices, the right person notices, you can be on your way to professional level. And you may not have even thought it possible because you weren't playing for you know a Duke, a Wake Forest, a Carolina, you know these high caliber programs, a Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's just what's exciting about it for these young players. It's USLPDL really is a path for these sort of players to get that professional level of play that they want. Mm. So if y'all could be the president of US Soccer for a day, what changes would y'all make? I think Jamie would agree with me on this, but it's not to me it's not even a – there's one thing I would do, and I would do it immediately, and that is set up a – uh, relegation. Um, what, what do you call it, Jay? What's the exact term? You you know the term for uh, it. It's promotion relegation, yeah. but they call. I think they refer to it as pro rel <laughs> for short. Americans like to shorten things, so that's uh, one thing that has been done yeah. that a lot of people want to happen. And that's what I would do. Like Jay mentioned, a promotion relegation system, kind of like you see in England. You know, you mm-hmm. look at England. You got the Premier League. You got the Championship under. Then you got the League One, League Two system. So having a promotion relegation system where teams. You know, a lot. Of the, I think one of the problems with the USL specifically, which I'm, I'm a fan of, is the fact that there's no relegation promotion system. So, what are teams really fighting for? You look over in England, and that's just there's a reason to play. If you can, if you can be one of the top three, four teams in the championship, you have a chance to go up to the to the big leagues. Or what is it, top six in the championship? Right, pretty much all have a shot. Some are automatically promoted, but some you know can go into the playoff and, and have a shot. So. I think that would that's exactly what I would do is just make a pro rail system where, you know, you give these teams an incentive to play and battle it out to every year because right now I think that's really what's lacking here. But the problem with setting that up is you have to build a lot of clubs up to that level where they have a high level of, of talent where someone in the USL, for instance, say NCFC could get promoted where it wouldn't be a thing where, okay, they go up and get promoted, but they finish with, you know, 10 points on the season in the MLS because they just don't have the talent to, mm-hmm. and the resources to compete up there. So, But that's what I would try to implement. It's a lot easier said than done, and I think Jamie would probably agree with me on that. I think it's the biggest thing that soccer in the United States is lacking right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with Jacob on the promotion relegation. I think that's just something that's been long overdue, and, you know, it not having it promotes mediocrity, you know, you had a bad season with your club. Well, there's no punishment for it. Just go again next year. I think that's the wrong mentality. It doesn't encourage competitiveness. It doesn't encourage passion, desire. Um, you know, you see teams in Europe, not just in England, but in the Bundesliga, there's a playoff with relegation if you finish in a certain spot and you aren't automatically relegated. I mean, like, really brings out the competitive nature of teams and it really, like, doesn't allow leagues to have teams that are bad. It doesn't allow for that. You can just get by every year and you know not worry about anything. Why not like encourage teams to do well, perform well, make the league? It would make the league stronger, I think. Um, the other thing I would do is restructure the way youth football is done in America. I know that it's very, it's very much like a, I would say it's a rich kid sport almost mm-hmm. in the United States, and you have to have money to play. And I think that's the most ridiculous thing. Um, how else are you going to get? Like you look at these teams, like. Brazil going to the World Cup. How many of their players probably paid to play football? None of them. Most of them grew up in favelas and stuff in Brazil. I mean, Neymar, there was a picture I saw of Gabriel Jesus, Manchester yeah. City striker. 
There was a picture of him on, in the streets washing something. He was he was painting for the 2014 World Cup. He was painting the streets and wearing like uh, I forget he was wearing a Brazilian jersey with just some regular shorts on. He was actually painting to decorate the streets for the 2014 World Cup, and now he's on the plane to it. One of the best players in, in Europe right now. So it's just yeah. crazy, like you mentioned, Jamie, that you can do that, especially in a, an area like Brazil. Yeah. And that's like one of the other things with that, with restructuring the way the youth football is done, is that I don't think there's enough emphasis on intercity kids. And a lot of those intercity kids have tons of talent. And they grow mm -hmm. up playing on the streets. Like street football is like a way of life. It's a way that most professionals, like a lot of professionals, learn how to play. Um, and I think players are just a little too coddled now with the way that the, the structure is. And if there is more emphasis on these intercity players and trying to recognize that these this youth is a talent pool that's being missed out on, then the US soccer structure could really benefit from that and get better players out of them. Mm -hmm. yeah, and just to add on to that, I've, like I mentioned earlier, I've done some, some youth soccer travel coaching and stuff like that, and you know, I've, I couldn't even count how many players I meet that you know, play at maybe a challenge level or, or, a, or below kind of the, the classic level where you're traveling every weekend, you know, doing Region 3 stuff, ODP stuff, you know, state cup, challenging for state cups and stuff like that, who you know, just can't afford it. I'll ask them. They have the talent. I mean, it's, it's not even close. They're better than some of the players that are on the travel level. You know, you'll ask their parents or ask them, you know, well, why can't, why aren't you trying to offer travel? They, they simply can't afford it. I mean, the rates for it are crazy. And Jamie, I think, put it perfectly. It really is a rich, you have to have a, a family, maybe not rich, but that is wealthy, that has money mm -hmm. to pay for it because, you know, the fees for it alone are crazy. And then combine that with the amount of travel you're doing around the country, specifically around North Carolina, if you play at the higher levels, I mean, you're traveling to different states every weekend for tournaments and, and simply just games. So it's, I think Jamie put it perfectly, there needs to be a system here where you don't have to pay to play because if you have the talent, I think you deserve to have a shot at, at, at playing professionally if that's something you want to do. Mm -hmm. So if y'all could only watch one league for the rest of your life, which league would that be? I mean, without a doubt for me, it's the English Premier League. It's yeah. probably the most exciting. A lot of people say that it isn't the best league in the world but the reason I argue that it is the best league in the world is not because of you know there is a ton of talent there but maybe not as much talent as like La Liga with Real Madrid and Barcelona mm -hmm. in there and you know the Bundesliga I would say is still behind the Premier League in terms of overall quality but with the Premier League you've got teams from the very like from the middle of nowhere Burnley football club are in Europe next year like how crazy is that I have no idea how Sean Dyche the manager of Burnley didn't get manager of the year and Pep Guardiola did mm -hmm. inheriting this I'm not even going to go on a rant there but <laughs> Premier League for me is just any team can beat anyone on the mm -hmm. day and it's just one of the most enjoyable leagues to watch the football is fast fast paced usually unless you've been watching Mourinho's United this season yeah jeez um, we don't need to start talking about that yeah but yeah for me it's the English Premier League all day long it's what I've grown up watching um, and it's what I know having watched other leagues I'd still say watching the Premier League has been the most exciting mm -hmm. and most enjoyable league to watch for me. Yeah, I'd agree. I think the the English Premier League, the, I think the passion you see with it, within the fans, the the level of soccer, the, I don't think people realize, and I've never seen a PDO, I mean, excuse me, not a PDO, uh, a uh, English Premier League game in person. I know Jamie has, but one of the things, I know some people that have, and one of the things that they always say is just the physicality and speed of that league is something you can't really comprehend by watching it on television. It's just... The level of soccer that's played there, you know, some of the challenges you see, some of the people, the players putting their bodies on the line, and sure it happens in the biggest leagues, the Bundesliga, uh, League One, uh, you know, leagues like that are across Europe, but 
for me, it's the Premier League. But I will say this: one of the and this, is, this is an honest answer. This is something I've since I've been involved with the league, I've really been excited to watch. Is the PDL? I love watching the PDL. Mm -hmm. And there's so many good soccer players across America at the collegiate level that play in these summer leagues, and not even at the collegiate level. I mean, there's players on these teams who are three, four years out of, of college that have you know played in the USL, maybe had a couple stints in the MLS, had played across the different PDL teams across the country. But one of the things that me and Jamie always say is how excited we are to see the PDL grow. I mean, give it five, 10, 15 years, and I think the PDL and the soccer, not only the PDL, but just soccer in the United States is going to be huge. Mm -hmm. I mean, 10 times bigger than it is now. So I, I wouldn't mind watching the PDL for the rest of my life, but if I had to pick a league that I watch every day, or not every day, every weekend pretty much now, it's the Premier League, and I, I could not stop watching that if I, if I had to. That would be, be a tough uh, thing to do if someone told me I couldn't watch the Premier League for the rest of my life. But I mean, there's a ton of leagues in the, in the world, and I think once you get into watching and get it really hooked into a league like the Premier League, I mean, you're hooked. Like it's it's so fun to watch, and if you can get a favorite team in there and really get passionate about it, it's 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 unlike any other sport. I'm a big sports guy. It's unlike any other sport I, I watch on a continual basis. So, mm -hmm. so if y'all didn't commentate for soccer, what sport would that be? Got a toss up, man. That's a tough uh, question. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm split between rugby, the other football, Ooh, like and uh, basketball. I love calling basketball mm -hmm. games. Mm -hmm. I love watching basketball. It's my favorite American sport. Um, super exciting, fast pace, back and forth. Yeah, it's a lot more high scoring than soccer, but I mean, the sort of stuff that you see on the court, like with players' moves, you know, Steph Curry, like sending okay. someone to the ground, breaking their ankles, as they say. I mean, it's pretty exciting stuff to watch. LeBron James, you know, just like powering through four or five players to get to the basket, and it makes it look so easy. It's just super exciting um, and not just the NBA like you've got the Turkish league you've got the Spanish league you've got the French league it's all over like it's a, pre it's a pretty global sport I'd say is, yeah. I enjoy watching it um, and commentating on it you know if I had to call another sport I would call basketball but rug I say rugby because I'm also a rugby fan a Leicester Tigers fan um, in, in rugby terms and an England rugby fan too even though we've been pretty poor the last couple of years um but it's just another sport that like I grew up watching and going to matches um, so it's another one that I would call it's a pretty exciting one to call as well it's non-stop action I thought you might say cricket are you a cricket guy at all? I don't have the time commitment for that I could be there for a couple of days <laughs> yeah I forgot about that yeah but yeah, I kind of agree with what Jamie said I mean I've I grew up watching and playing uh, basketball I never played football but my two biggest sports to, to watch my favorite sports to watch are or football and basketball, so I think you know it's a toss-up for me between those two. Like Jamie said, the speed of play in basketball, the intensity of it. I don't think people realize how hard it is to be in shape for basketball. That sport is so intense going back and forth. It's just the quick sprints, the quick moves, the agility you have to have, the athleticism you have to have to play that at a high level. I think sitting in, you know, courtside or just sitting in an arena and watching it and commentating it is, is a lot harder than people think. And then football, you know, the physicality of football Obviously, of a lot of people nowadays kind of realizing, you know, some of the health problems that go along with it, how dangerous of a sport it really is, especially in the NFL. And But, you know, having some experience in basketball, I've done some sideline broadcasting and reporting for App State basketball, and that was super fun to watch down there. Never did any broadcasting for football, um, but... Just being, I've been in a couple booths up there, and, and I have season tickets to Carolina football. Like I said, I'm a big Carolina fan. So 
football for me is my one of my favorite sports to watch, and I, I think calling that is pretty similar to soccer, Jamie, in a way that there's not like there's always something going on. I mean, mm-hmm. soccer is free flowing. There, you know, there's no timeouts or anything like yeah. that, but there's not always something going on. There's dead space when you got to talk about things or have some banter between each other. So I think that'd probably be the most similar thing to calling calling soccer would be football, but. Those are my two sports. I don't think I could, you know, go wrong with doing either of those. But I definitely enjoy soccer the most. I don't even think, I don't even think it's close for me. You probably agree with me too, Jamie. Yeah, I don't think. I, me though, I still say it's a fifty-fifty. I don't know which one I would pick. Yeah, it's, but it's, it's tough. Yeah, if I had to pick two though, those are the two. I hope I don't have to choose. I hope I can stay in soccer. I hope I don't get, you know, kicked out or do something wrong where I can't do it anymore. Because <laughs> I don't know what I do after that. I mean, soccer that's what I'm passionate about. So. So, the next three games for Tobacco Road are home against Charlotte, away to Myrtle Beach, and away to NCFC. So, how many points, or give me all's predictions for how many points we will have after this little three-game stretch right here. It's a tough one to call because Charlotte, continuing on where they left off last season, and they won the PDL overall, so mm-hmm. they're always a threat. They have lost some, some key players, but... You know, never count them out of a match. Myrtle Beach just went and beat Carolina Dynamo 6 0 yeah, on the road. You know, we thought our 2 0 win there was pretty impressive, but 6 0, I mean, and the go- one of the goals I saw they scored was an absolute team goal. And, you know, they look a threat. They didn't start off so well, but, um, you know, they did. They actually played a friendly against Asheville City. I think they won 3 2 in that mm-hmm. game. Yep. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how we do on the road there. Um, not sure if we'll be traveling to. We may travel to that. I don't know if there's going to be a broadcast though because of just how their ground is. They play in a soccer complex, so it's kind of like a flat field. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we're going to have the equipment or the personnel to run a broadcast. We may be out there anyways, but um, trying to cover the game somehow. But it should be interesting to see how that game goes. I know Charlotte. You know, they beat us last year. We also beat them one nil, I think. Mm-hmm. At at home. The, I think the last matchup of the year. Yeah, we beat them one nil. I think Bruning, you were on the call for that play by play. On that day, Niels Bruning, yeah. yeah, Bruning got a penalty and scored that. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely not a team that is a pushover team. Um, so you know, if we continue this form and really play to our strengths and play attacking football and set the initiative, we're at home. Mm-hmm. I think we can beat Charlotte at home uh, this year. I think we can beat Myrtle Beach if we, you know, continue playing this attacking style of football and you know not letting too many chances be given away at the back. I know our defense has been pretty good. Last in the last game, Kellen, uh, Kellen, Foster. Kellen Foster was holding his own back there really well, so that was promising. Hopefully, Alex Conzio will be back as well because I know he did really well in the first game and then he got injured. Um, but yeah, just maintaining this level of play and showing consistency is what's key to you know any season, mm-hmm. any winning season. Mm-hmm. So those two games, you know, three points is possible. I'm going to predict. You know, maybe a point on the road and then three points at home. We think we'll get a big win over Charlotte. And then at North Carolina FC, I mean, we completely dominated them the other day. And the last time we went out to North Carolina FC, we ended up losing 5-3. But I think we were the better team overall. Yeah. Um, we had a player sent off and then that's when the floodgates mm-hmm. opened for them. So, And I think we're going to have a broadcast for that. So that'll be really interesting so, to see. Yeah, I hope so. Um, but I hope we do them on the road. I really hope we do. I hope we, uh, we hit them for... You know, three, five, or three or four, five or six. Maybe, maybe. do a, rever- <laughs> of a reverse scoreline of last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, we played we played pretty well on the work on the road. At least we did last year. So yeah, we did. Yeah. And, and we already have one win on the road this year. So hopefully, 
we can get the three points there. So I'm going to say we get seven out of the possible nine points. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously we're hoping for nine points. You know, going. Yeah, I think the toughest game when I look at those those three for me right now is I think it's really a toss up between the Charlotte Eagles, you know, which is tomorrow, and and then Myrtle Beach on the road next next Wednesday. So a little over a week from today. Um, yeah, I think judging off the first couple of results for Tobacco Road, I, I think the Carolina Dynamo victory on the road was decent, but then you see them. They really, really struggled last season, so I was kind of curious to see how good they'd be this year. Mm-hmm. And still, you see still a lot of question marks yeah, around. Yeah, still a ton of question marks over. And that's a, a, a team that's been around for a long time, so I don't know what the struggles have been these past these past couple of seasons, but you, you see them go on the road and just get thrashed by Myrtle Beach. Was that on the road? Or that was, was at home. That wasn't yeah, that was at home. Yeah, so see them you know, in Greensboro just get completely thrashed by Myrtle Beach. Who's, who's a good team, but, you know, if – that's a little bit – and in the PDL, a 6-0 victory is, is, a, is a butt whooping. So, I think judging off the first result, which was a 2-0 victory for Tobacco Road on the road against the Dynamo, we, there was still a lot of question marks about the team. I think everybody was really happy with the result. But then, you know, looking last week when we happened to, to beat NCFC, you know, 3-1, the scoreline – it was 2-1 for a while. The, the scoreline, I think, really, really reflects the game. I think, mm-hmm. I think Tobacco Road won that game pretty comfortably. I think they didn't really. There was a couple moments in the second half where things could have gone differently, but I think the one goal in the first half that uh, went off Cretans and had a slow roll and then yeah, got yeah, kicked yeah. away the last second. I mean, that right there was a. I think was one that definitely could have turned the game a little bit in their favor early, but they did come away and save that one and continue to push in the second half at least. So I just don't think. I think the main thing that's making it hard for me to call how many points Tobacco Road will get in the next. Three games. I just don't think they really played an attacking team that's really threatened. I don't think the Dynamo mm-hmm. going forward were very threatening. And really looking at NCFC, I mean that attempt you were talking about was from Nick Retzloff, who was their holding midfielder, and he was really had the best opportunity of the game besides their goal that they had, which was really just a fluke goal and probably never should have happened. Uh, so I'm predicting. You know, obviously we want nine points as as the Tobacco Road commentators over here, but I think I'm going to have to agree with Jamie and go with seven. I think seven points from two away matches especially and, and a, really a Charlotte Eagles, te- Eagles team that is really good would be would be, would be be a really good way to, to end that three-game stretch. So I'm going to say a win tomorrow against the Charlotte Eagles. I think it's going to be a really tight game. Obviously a team that did really well in the PDL last season. I think Myrtle Beach will be a tie, you know, the first true road game of the season going out of the state. I think that would be a low-scoring game, maybe a 1-1 tie, something like that. Um, and then I think we will handle NCFC on the road. Uh, the next week because I just really don't see especially based on their first couple of results I, going forward especially they're decent defensively but they just don't seem like a big threat for me so I'm going with seven points too but fingers crossed that we can get nine because that would be a, a great way to start the season I think that would really take us up the, P, uh, the PDL rankings uh, exponentially so hopefully nine but I'm going to go with seven mm-hmm. I think it's difficult to call though because we haven't really seen enough of the team Mm-mm. You know, there was no broadcast for the away game, so we really didn't see how they were playing. Um, but the home game, that was really our first look at the team this year, like, in full action. Um, so it's difficult to call two games in, but I, I stand by that decision. Seven out of nine points. Especially seeing that we're playing one of the teams that we had just played already. Mm-hmm. And luckily, they didn't carry, so it's not that far of a drive for the guys. You know, they still stay pretty loose and mm-hmm. what is it, a, a quick 40 minutes? About 30, maybe? About 30 minutes, yeah. yeah it's not by, bad at all. By yeah. bus. So. That's, a, that's a nice complex to play out. That'll probably one of the nicest fields and, and facilities they'll play out all season. But 
Yeah, it's that's a really fun game. I'm, I'm hoping that Triangle Derby continues to grow because I think it's got so much to offer. I still don't think it's even close to its potential. You know, I don't remember any NCFC fans at even the game last week, really. So yeah, hopefully yeah, that there, I saw one. I saw one. One fan. Yeah, one I think last season. I think last season we had some. Maybe a few players or former players there watching yeah. it, but I, mean, I, it I think there's a lot more family for one of the games mm-hmm. last year. So it's it's really a fun uh, fun match to watch. But yeah, I think I think Tobacco Road will get that job done. Mm-hmm. But it's I think NCFC will definitely put up a little bit more of a fight than they did uh, last week because that really wasn't, in my opinion, a very close game throughout. It was some sketchy moments, some opportunities, but I think Tobacco Road handled that pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And going off the rivalry that you talked about, um, I think it's going to be even better next year with. Wick FC coming in, having three teams right here within a 30-minute radius of each other. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely going to create some pretty cool environments to watch the games in. Hopefully it creates that kind of a, a buzz around around mm-hmm. here. Because, I mean, the Triangle area, there's a ton of people moving here you know, every year. There's a ton of people already here. So, And I'm really happy to see a team like Wake FC. I, I see... I see ads for them all the time, you know, mm-hmm. and I feel like I've only seen them for a year or two, so they've grown exponentially, and I think that's kind of what the area needed with the fact that Castle, which has been one of the biggest clubs in the country, youth soccer clubs in the country for years, kind of joined forces, and what was it, Triangle United joined forces? Another, there's another big club in the area. I think it was Triangle United or Triangle Football Club, I can't remember. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, to see clubs like that combine and really – Basically, what Castle and, and Tucson, I believe, did was join forces with NCFC to make kind of a youth system around here. So, I think the area really needed a, a, a youth system and a team like Wake FC because it's going to give players that don't necessarily maybe want to play for a team like Castle or a team like Tucson, and, uh, I guess what it is, NCFC now, don't want to play in a youth system like that. Uh, it still gives them a really good environment to compete, and it also gives another rivalry to, to the, the youth league like that as well. So. Hopefully that translated translates into the PDL because I knew when I was growing up playing for Castle, we hated playing teams like Tusa, we hated playing teams like Triangle Football Club, you know, as Castle guys. So hopefully that rivalry grows in every aspect, not only in the PDL, but it's, I think I hope it definitely adds that buzz around here mm-hmm. because there is a, I think there's a big calling for soccer here, and it just hasn't really been tapped into um, yet, at least on the professional and semi-professional level. But I mean, you look at the college teams around here, man. I mean. The t- college teams in the state, NC State's a, a decent soccer program. Mm-hmm. Carolina's really good. Um, Duke's really good. And UNC Charlotte's really yeah. good. Wake when, Forest is probably the best. Of the yeah, lot Wake Forest is, is, is even better. So even a team like Elon competes every year in, in their league. So collegiate soccer around here is good. So if we can translate that in the PDL and give these players a place to play in the summer, then I think North Carolina, it's already, in my opinion, one of the top states for soccer in the country. But I think it's going to get up there to you know, levels like Texas and California. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a lot more kids there. A lot more players there, but North Carolina is, in my opinion, one of the top five places for soccer in the country. So hopefully, it can be translated into PDO because there's definitely a an untapped market that I think is waiting to blow up. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all the questions I have. Thank you guys for uh, joining me today. Yeah, it's been a good time. Yeah, man, enjoyed it. Anytime, we should definitely do this more often. It was mm-hmm. uh, totally enjoyable. Thank you, everyone, for listening to episode three of Bull City Soccer Show. Um, we will have another podcast for you later this week after. Uh, Tobacco Road travels down to Myrtle Beach on Wednesday. And um, I will actually be, more than likely, I will be going to um, NCF's U23's match on Tuesday. And I believe that one is against the Charlotte Eagles. So I will go to that one, kind of talk about the differences from from Charlotte last week and this week. So 
Hopefully you guys enjoy. Uh, remember to follow us on Twitter at Bull City SOC Show. And don't forget to send us questions. You can uh, send us questions on Twitter and to our email at BullCitySoccerShow at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.